Welcome to the Internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Holland, and these are my co-hosts, Alex Fielder and Connor Dunstan. Today we've got something a bit different for all of you. As you're probably aware, most transit talk tends to focus on urban centers, places that need big 60 or 70 route bus networks and maybe even some rail. So, instead of focusing on the big cities like we normally do, we're going to zoom in on some of the smaller ones and learn a bit how, about how to make transit work. Roll that intro. First up, we have Cache Valley Transit District Ooh. from Logan, Utah. Mm. It's the college town of Utah State University. Population about 150,000 in the metro area, I think. Very seasonally, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, it was originally voted into existence back when it was called the Logan Transit District, and service began in 1992. Interestingly, the transit district was free fare from the very start and has never charged fares. That's what I call a cash money move. Oh, yeah. A cash valley move? A cash valley move, indeed. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that's probably been a pretty good thing that they did that from the start. It's smart for a college town. Yeah, especially. Like, you're not going to make any money off of fares on small town transit, so you got to kind of maybe just not worry about it. And you're not going to make any money off of college students. You're definitely not going to make any money off of college students, no. So the service actually was, like, pretty small start. I mean, three routes, seven buses, and 6.15 a.m. to 6.45 p.m. service is, like, not a lot. But it's something. Yeah, no, not at all. But I bet they placed those bus routes in key high-traffic locations. I would imagine so, like university to, say, Walmart or something. I know, <laughs> where students right? need to go. I wonder if they've had the same circulator kind of route. You know, I'm not the sure loops, about that. The I, blue and uh, green? I wasn't able to find that out on their website or anything, mm-hmm. but if somebody could find that out, say, among our people who are listening to this, we would love to learn about that. Yeah. But by 1997, they'd actually expanded the service pretty significantly. They had several new routes, and they had better frequencies, which is arguably more important. <laughs> I concur. I Yes. As a transit user. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, this is also the first year that Cache Valley Transit District, which was still Logan Transit District at this point, surpassed a million riders in a single year. So they went, in only seven years, up to a million riders. Congrats. Wow. I know. Very impressive. And the actual Cache Valley Transit District was established in 2000, and they provided service to the whole Cache Valley instead of just Logan. And then seven years later, Logan Transit District was like, hey, let's merge. And so four years later, voila, two million riders. (laughs) Quite impressive, especially for a small town. For having been to Logan, that surprises me. Yeah, two million riders? Yeah, honestly. Well, they get, uh, like, last, well, not last year, but in 2019, they were doing 5,500 daily riders. 
Nice. Which yeah. is quite impressive. I, I've ridden it around. It, it's it's a good system, well, honestly. Well, uh, that's better than Boise, Idaho. They're, they were doing like 4,000 daily riders. Yeah, how big's their bus network? Like, how many routes? 23 vehicles? routes in total. Mm. Which, nice. that's a lot. I mean, yeah. 150,000 people, 23 routes, like... Yeah. And um, there's one that reaches up to Preston, Idaho. Yeah, it, which <laughs> that's, that's our like ultimate a gray, spoke. That's of a, a Greyhound level bus route right there. Like that's long distance. So ridership has unfortunately, like everywhere else, dropped from two million riders in 2012 to about 1.5 million pre-pandemic, and then obviously there was just this massive drop in 2020. Unfortunately. <laughs> But, you know, Cache Valley, they're still operating a remarkably cost-effective and useful service, especially for an area of, like, 150,000 people. Like, they're doing, like, $1.12 per passenger mile, which for bus service beats out UTA. And not by, like, a tiny margin either. We're talking, like, 50 Mm cents-ish. So, you know, that's pretty decent. So let's talk about what they're doing right in Cache Valley. What's made their transit system, you know, a relative success? Well, they've got several different high-frequency routes, and almost all of their routes run regularly and on Saturdays. I know. (laughs) Neither of the transit agencies we're talking about today don't run service on Saturdays, but it's truly astonishing how many small-town transit services just have, like, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., and expect that to work for everyone. Yeah, because ridership, of course, strongly peaks during those hours, and your Saturday ridership's going to be a lot lower. Yes. But in order to convert car users into bus riders, (laughs) you're going to need to provide that later hour and weekend service. Absolutely. And I think this is a key part of their success in Logan, Though, as we talked about, like the Preston, there are some commuter routes that go out to the, like, little smaller suburbs and towns around Logan. The majority of the routes are concentrated where there are the most people. So the urbanized area of Logan and the small towns that are directly adjacent to it receive the most bus service and get the most ridership. So it's not like a hub and spokes. It provides equal service to most of the area. Nice. Perfect. Yes. Excellent. Oh, uh, and it's free. Oh, yeah, not to mention, it's free. <laughs> and always has been. And always has been, which is, like, quite an achievement. I believe, a, a few years back, they had a referendum in the town on whether to make it uh, to add a fare to the system. Strongly voted down. Everyone was against, like, having having people pay fares. So, you know, that's really good. Yes, indeed. Could, could you imagine the drop in ridership? If they started charging I imagine it would be substantial, Mm -hmm. especially among university students. I'm sure USU would probably work out a deal. They would. But, like, it would be probably a substantial drop in ridership. And you don't need more people driving cars in Logan. No, you certainly do not need more people driving cars in Logan. Yeah, no. Main Street is... You would be surprised just, how much traffic there can be on a, on a main road in a town of that many people. It is insane. Well, when you build a car town... When you build a car town, you get car traffic. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's like um, if you give a mouse a cookie. Yes. <laughs> you get car traffic. Yes, you do. Induced demand is probably best described as if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> 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 then it's going to want a glass of milk, and then it's going to want a napkin, and then it's going to want a blanket and a bedtime story. And you're going to have a whole horde of rats. <laughs> indeed. All right. So... Logan, pretty good. Would you agree? I would agree. 
then on to Case Study 2, the hometown of my beautiful and amazing mom, Great Falls, Montana, and the Great Falls Transit District. So, Great Falls actually been providing bus service for about 40 years now, uh, since 1982. And their level of service, you know, stayed pretty similar throughout that time. Not much has changed, but you know, neither has Great Falls. It's been 50,000 people since the dawn of time at this point, so... <laughs> That's nice. So yes. it, it fits the locale, contrast to Cache Valley, which has been growing their bus system with their riders. Yes, absolutely. It stayed relatively consistent, whereas Cache Valley has been like, boom. Uh, what has changed in Great Falls, however, is this really interesting switch they've done recently, like 10 years ago. They switched to a really innovative routing system that provides time transfers at three points every half hour, and then hourly transfers between every route at a bus station downtown. An indoor bus station. An indoor bus station. And this is important in Great Falls, Montana, because when I went there to get video and footage and pictures for our podcast, it was negative 12 degrees, and I was walking around downtown. It was cold. (laughs) So, like, this indoor bus transfer station is, like, real important. Yeah, that's brilliant that a town that small can have their own transit hub. I know. And what's also interesting is, like, to save money, they don't have bus stops. On each route, there are only six bus stops. You can just pull the string and the bus driver will stop at the next block. Whoa. Oh, so this is like ye olde trolley. Right, so if if you're just standing next to the road, the driver will just come and pick you up. That's really nice. That's smart. I know. It is super awesome. And then it's not like they have terrible frequencies either. Like most of their buses operate at 30 minute frequencies during the day and during peak times. There's only one that operates at a 60 minute frequency all the time. So like, it's all right. It's not the sort of frequency you'll find in the big city. Or even in Cache Valley, but yeah. like... It sounds perfect for the town it's in. Yes, yeah. and although I would definitely add 15-minute service along Route 2 and Route 6, I think, because those are their most used ones, not bad. Yeah, but that 30-minute peak service in combination with the brilliant time transfer and indoor transfer options makes something really usable. Yeah, and it, it doesn't provide a one-seat ride to the whole town, but you can get a two-seat ride to pretty much anywhere in town in their system, and that's pretty brilliant. That is good. That's what you should see in any good transit system. Absolutely. We're just spoiled living in a transit hub. Where we can get a one-seat <laughs> ride to all the important places. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. And, you know, so they have a modest network and small population. But despite their networks, like, you know, relative modesty, they were actually growing ridership throughout, you know, the big transit slump from 2015 to 2019. They were actually growing ridership during that period, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And they were averaging 450,000 riders a year by 2019. All right. So that, that seems... For a town right. of 50,000 people, that's nine trips per capita. Oh, all right. Yeah, wait, that's... That's not bad at all, right? <laughs> yeah. That's good. Like, here in uh, Salt Lake, 20-ish rides per capita. So, and we have we have light rail, we have commuter rail, we have 50-some bus routes. And the whole kitchen caboodle. Yeah, whole kitchen caboodle. We're like proper transit network, and we're only doing that. So if they can get nine with seven bus routes and a transfer station... I'd say that's something to be admired. I concur. (laughs) And it shows that your bus system will scale to any size of town. Yes, indeed. And I would like to compare this particularly to my hometown of Boise, uh, where they were getting about 1.3, 1.4 million, uh, notably about the same size as Cache Valley, despite (laughs) being a city of almost 800,000 people now. 
they're getting a third of the rides there despite having a 16th of the population. <laughs> so shows sort of how good Great Falls is compared to like my hometown, Boise. Yeah. Sad which, which tears. should really Bye. have transit that looks more like Salt Lakes. Yes, it should. I mean, really should. But we're not going to talk about that. That's for a future episode. <laughs> and that's going to be a long one. That will be a long one because I am developing a whole network for my hometown because I I would like to be able to live there. Um, <laughs> and I think other people would also like to live and not just... Live Not their days car. in traffic. Yes, indeed. Especially, mm-hmm. our traffic's already terrible, man. It's worse than here. <laughs> Oof. I can't imagine worse than here. <laughs> uh, drive to Boise. I've been I riding don't the, want to. <laughs> <laughs> I've been riding the train, so I kind of forgot how I'm gross gonna the traffic drive is. You, I'm going to force you people to come to Boise sometime. Great. Um, so let's talk. Let's just go over what Great Falls does right. So they have frequent service, or relatively frequent, uh, the network is a bit sparse, but it provides transportation to most major locations in the city with a two-seat ride, and that's important because in small towns, you kind of have this everywhere-to-everywhere transit need. Like, there's no central business district. There's no job centers. It's kind of just everywhere that people need to get from everywhere else. So, Which is good, because maybe that's how we should build towns. Sure, but also walkable. Yes. <laughs> so... And then it has those brilliant transfer points that we talked about. It makes it super simple to change routes. And then that brilliant downtown transfer center where you can stay out of the negative 12 degrees but feels like negative 30 degrees cold while waiting for your next bus. So how north is Great Falls? Great Falls is like 150 miles south of the Canadian border. Okay, it does need that then. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was consistently below freezing. It didn't get above freezing while I was there. And it is consistently below zero, like, one day out of the week normally. So if this town has nine rides per capita yeah. per year, yeah. no, nowhere else has any excuse. You have no excuse. This place is cold. And if the buses are running away in the cold? Oh, yeah, they run yeah. just fine. Those buses, they're, they're old buses, though. They may be using the same buses they used when they started. Well, that's kind of good. That is actually very good. <laughs> yeah. They're not just throwing them out after a few years. Yeah, and uh, that is actually impressive if they're managing That is good. I'm sure the federal government will start buying them electric or natural gas buses or something. Uh, you see, you don't want to buy electric buses in cold like that. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> you need something You'd that need runs battery off battery heaters. Of, you need something that either runs directly off of an overhead wire or a um, <laughs> something that runs off of fossil fuels and creates heat. Yeah. But anyway, so what are some conclusions we can draw from these two little examples, these microcosms of small town transit? Well, first of all, there's no one-size-fits-all solution for transportation needs in smaller cities. Each one is different and requires a different solution. Yeah. Look, let's look at the difference between Great Falls and uh, Logan Cash Valley. Like, Logan Cash Valley is a pretty conventional bus network. They have some commuter routes. They have some in-town routes. Whereas Great Falls, it's just the in-town routes, and it's pretty simple. Yeah, you can take one and put it in the other and make it work. Sure. Of course not. you got to meet the local geography and where's your businesses, where's your people, where's your schools. Yeah, and another thing that should be kept in mind is transit riders in small towns want the same things as transit riders in big cities. They want frequency, they want reliability, and they want it to take them where they need to go. That's all you can ask for transit. Exactly. Yeah. Anywhere. And while we can't give them the same sort of 5 to 10 minute service, <laughs> it's possible, but still doesn't exist in the U.S. <laughs> in larger cities. 
we can at least give them something good. Like yeah. Great Falls, brilliantly designed half-hour service with transfers. Sure. And you can't say they're not going to use it. They're clearly, well, there's clearly a need clearly for it. It's clearly getting used. Yeah. I mean, it was getting 1,500 riders a day, basically, which is mm-hmm. not awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in Salt Lake, we've got single bus routes that get that many riders. Well, sure, but we also have magnitudes more population than they do. Yes, we do. So <laughs> And magnitudes more density, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're doing pretty darn well. They're doing pretty darn good in Great Falls and Logan. Okay, so now we're going to have a short conversation about what we think small cities across America could do to improve their transit networks in general. And personally, I think the answer is this great thing we talked about last episode called streetcars. Because most of these small towns get most of their ridership off of a single route. Like in Great Falls, something like a third or half of their ridership is on Route 2 alone. All right. So if you were to stick a... um, They're creating these new battery-powered streetcars that you can use. Uh, They have them in Europe now. If you could create like a streetcar light that would be relatively cheap to construct, I think that would be a great quality of life improvement for people riding that particular line. Mm-hmm. Plus, you could take the bus and put it somewhere else. Yeah. Obviously, in Great Fowls, you'd want an overhead-powered streetcar because it's like minus 50 bajillion degrees. Well, and they did used to have trolleys in Great Falls. Oh, and in- <laughs> Yes, I know. Like everywhere else, it followed a similar route, actually. So mm-hmm. it, it would probably be easier to maintain in the winter as well, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, a certainly. A system? Uh, Great Falls gets just mountains of snow all the time. Yeah. And streetcars and light rail can kind of just keep going, whereas just, just buses have some issues. On the front. Yeah, put a plow on the front, you're kind of having much. problems like the front runner. Yeah. yeah. So streetcars are a good technological solution sure. for some and high ridership routes. And sure. a historic, in a way. Yeah, in a way. They and do. plus, the government likes paying for streetcars right now. Like, the government, it gets these phases that it goes through where it likes paying for things. Like, 1980 to 2005, it really liked paying for light rail. 2000 to now, it likes paying for BRT. And, like, 2010 to now, it likes paying for streetcars. So, it goes through phases of what it likes paying for. (laughs) Better hop on the streetcar train, Yes, indeed. Better hop on it before the government (laughs) decides that um, we need, I don't know, monorails or something. Oh, But yeah, that sort of pattern is reminiscent of what you see in bigger cities, where you have trunk rail networks along certain high-frequency routes, and then a sprawling bus network to catch everything else. Right, and so you just, you build your little, let's see, how how far is it from downtown central to, let's say, Hill Air Force Base, or Malmstrom Air Force Base is the one in Great Falls. I think it's like three miles. That's just the right length for three, a starter streetcar line. Three or four miles. So you just have one streetcar line, and that's your main line because that's where most of the population lives along the line. There's a decent number of services within walking distance of the line. Voila, you've got an effective streetcar line, and you can change your bus network to sort of funnel traffic to the streetcar. Oh, and you could probably run it like how they do the bus system up there, where you can just get off when you need to, right? Well, sure, yeah. So it's a, you could yeah. probably build it without any, like, maybe a station at either end and maybe one in the middle. Oh, yeah. Operating could, it like a historic streetcar. You could build it super cheap. That would be smart. Yeah, And I think that would be a good quality of life improvement and maybe attract more ridership. It, it would be mm-hmm. a cool touristy 
thing for transit people like us. Yeah, it's like, and you can run it like a heritage streetcar or whatever. Like, this is our heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if uh, light rail is scaled down metro and streetcar is even further scaled down light rail, there's a rail solution for any size town. Sure. And I think the other thing that needs to be done in Great Falls is get that 15-minute frequency. Like, we, we've mm-hmm. seen it just on the S-Line recently. When you increase from 30-minute to 15-minute frequency, even in the just in the night, ridership just goes whoop. Like, it just skyrockets. Yeah, because 15 minutes is your minimum for frequent service, where you can just start hopping on the bus or the streetcar or the train whenever you feel like it. Without Not worrying about it, yeah. yeah. And if you show up to work 15 minutes late, they don't get as mad as half an hour late. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you miss your bus, the 15-minute bus instead of the 30-minute bus, like, there's a difference <laughs> that, there. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, I used to take the 455 to work, and that's a 40-minute to an hour bus. Ooh. So if I ever missed that, I was going to be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. 15-minute service is kind of that barrier between small-scale little city transit and in bigger cities, poor and old people transit. And students. And, st- and students, and of students. course. We're students. Yeah. Yeah, it's the barrier between that and transit for everyone. Exactly. So, like, in- my grandma and grandpa, they live literally across the street from a bus line, never ridden it, because it's slow, it doesn't work very well, and it doesn't come often enough, despite well, the fact that it would take them right to their church. Mm. So, increase the frequency, increases the opportunity to gain ridership. Mm-hmm. And then for Great Falls in particular, the other thing I would do, it is very hard to find a bus because, again, there's no stops, so you just have to know where the bus goes, but they don't have any real good internet integration. They don't have, like, transit app integration. They should just get together with the transit app, one and done. I'm sure that the transit app could help them with that. Like, yeah. I don't know if they could do the same real-time stuff that we have here. All they need to do is tracking and data feed stuff, which you can contract out. That's easy in this day and age, and have transit app take care of the rest. Yeah, and I think that... They'd be happy to do it, wouldn't they? Oh, I'm sure they would. Mm-hmm. That's their whole thing. Um, I think that integration with these small-town bus networks into, like, the digital age is really, really crucial mm-hmm. because I was considering taking a bus, and I was legitimately, like, trying to read the old route map that they have and the timetables on the Internet, and I'm like, so where is it coming and when is it coming? And I was really nervous, like, am I going to miss it? So, so I think with Internet integration, that would be really improved. So if this service as it exists now with 30 minute peak frequency, some brilliant transfers and it having some quality of life issues like being hard to find a bus and it being negative 10 degrees outside (laughs) can get nine rides per capita per year on average. Imagine what you can do with some quality of life improvement. Like sure, you could get up to Salt Lake level. Like you could get 20 rides per capita and that Mm -hmm. would be brilliant. And that would more than offset the cost of say building a streetcar or partnering with the transit app. Especially since the government will pay for most of streetcars. Yeah, like they did for our light rail back in the day. Thank you, government. <laughs> well, I also think, like, being able to track the, well, future trolley, hopefully, yes. but the buses would also help tourists be more likely to use it. Right. Which would be a big deal, because then you would have a lot less tourists' cars on the road. And that reminds me of another improvement that Great Falls could really make. There is no service to the airport. They have a commercial airport that gets flights. There's no service to it. They need that. Okay. What? That would be very good for, like... Because there are business people visiting town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there any, like, 
like attractions near Great Falls? Oh, sure. There's Giant Springs State Park. That's a beautiful park. Well, actually, I'll stick some uh, pictures of Great Falls and their and their services on the website. Oh. But Giant Springs is a beautiful state park. Uh, it's within striking distance of a whole bunch of mountains and parks, and uh, there's dams. They have a decent downtown. I mean, it's definitely nice downtown. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like a place that tourists are necessarily just gonna go. But you might end up there on your way to somewhere else, Mm -hmm. or if you have a business thing, or if you're just visiting town like me and my parents do every year. So, yeah. Yeah. Bus service to the airport is definitely something that they should prioritize. Absolutely. Because, like, (laughs) yeah. Just the amount of people that work at the airport. Like, (laughs) you're not serving them. (laughs) That's a good point. Oh, well, that would definitely help, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. That's a great way to boost ridership is just to get the people that work at the airport crowd. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like getting the people who work at the resorts up to the resorts. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of those are just kind of like little, besides a streetcar, of course, little but substantive substantive improvements you could make to your service to just sort of boost ridership, make it better for the riders. Yeah. I feel like the government should, they should just try and incentivize getting at least, like, a bus or two in, like, important small towns. Even in a town of a thousand people, you could run a two-bus trolley service, and that could serve everyone in the community's needs. It could just run in a loop yeah. <laughs> around the town, and you just hop on at your front door, takes you to Jim's barber shop. you get out later, you wait, like, two minutes, the trolley comes back, and you're back at your house ten minutes later. Brilliant. Spin it as a cutesy heritage trolley service. Yeah, you, you can even, sell some riders. You can even paint it up as as a trolley if you want to. Like they do up in Park City. Right. Yeah. So, like, there's really no limit to the size of town you need for mm-hmm. transit. Like, that's a glass ceiling. I hate to tell people. In, even in a town of 200 people, you can do something. Mm-hmm. You can have the community van that goes around and picks people up. Yeah, and similarly, there's no limit to the size of town you need to find people who don't want cars. Right, like, most people who live in a small town don't need a car. Most people who live in a big city don't need a car. It's people who live on a farm outside of town that mostly need a car. Yeah. So, like, there shouldn't be a limit to where we're building transit. It should be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Inner city bus to Arco, Idaho. Let's go. Yeah. I feel like I need to learn more about Idaho. You do. Because of how much it gets brought up. Well, that's just because I'm from there and I know everything about it. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to go to... You're from here and you know everything about it. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so if you're listening, thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, on Twitter. You can get updates and me just uh, reposting and posting random thoughts about transit every now and then. Tweet back at us at the redline underscore pod. Yes, of course. And we are followed by UTA now, so we do have an endorsement. Just saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, anything else I'm forgetting to mention here? Oh, Patreon. Oh. If you're really generous, you can give us money there. It, and it's also cool if you're the first person. Yeah, we we'll will. remember you forever. We will remember you forever, and you'll get a shout-out. So Yeah, for sure. Yes, you will. Yeah. It, so. It's a dollar. I don't know. It's a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. If I like this podcast, it's, it's, it's had... just a dollar a month. Like we we would appreciate that just to recoup our like website cost is the only cost we really have. And also and the flyers. flyers. Oh, yeah. and the flyers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We, we would greatly appreciate that. Other than that, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Go ride a train. Go, 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 go UTA. <laughs> People going places, go UTA today. Don't want to make a fuss if you come and ride the bus. 
You know it really pays when you ride the UTA. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the rest is, of it. What? What's this from? That's a jingle from the 80s from a commercial they had. That's kind of awesome. It is awesome, <laughs> and I love it, and you're weaving that in. I'll make that the outro. <laughs> yes. <laughs>